listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. To win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rexa, what a pass to Anders. A team follows. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Slamajama presented by Clutch City Control Room, your home for all things Houston Hoops. I am one of your hosts, Justin Barbosa, and you can find me on Twitter at jbarbosa underscore 95. And I'm your second host. My name is Andy Yanez, and you can find me on Twitter at ayanez underscore 5. And be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control Room account at clutchcitycr. And I'm your third and final host, Tamer Knight. And you can find me on Twitter at Sports. That's T-K-N-I-G-H-T Sports. And if you appreciate the podcast, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever it is you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. Today we're going to talk about Houston's upcoming opponents for this season of how they did last year. And also we're going to talk about Nate Hinton and the upcoming NBA draft and where he will land. But before all that, we'll introduce ourselves, since we did it in the first week, as I am Justin Barbosa. Usually I'm a play-by-play announcer. Before the pandemic hit, I was calling games around Houston, doing football games. Also a huge Houston sports fan. That's pretty much it about me. Yeah, Justin, uh, I know you said it's better late than ever. Uh, <laughs> we should have done this in the first episode, but uh, really... Um, we're we're learning with um, as we keep going with this podcast. We're we're learning a few ins and outs as we go. Um, first of all, before before I get into what I'm I'm done, I'd like to thank all of our listeners that have tuned into our first two episodes of our podcast. Um, especially last week with Chris Gardner, he kind of dropped a, a little bit of bombs with with um, the NCAA discussing. Uh, possible bubbles for college basketball i know since then uh, it's really been a hot topic um so thank you for listening i hope you you stay with us as we continue to grow this um like i said in the intro my name is andy Yanez, and uh, outside of clutch city control room i'm the uh, sports editor for the daily cougar which is the newspaper at the university of houston i am a u of h student um i'm majoring in journalism uh, specializing in print so that that's going to be interesting uh this is actually the first time this is like the first media thing that i'm doing where i'm just uh like is i guess you could say it's a different outlet from just writing or the everyday articles outside of the cougar i've also interned for the chronicle i did that for a few weeks really before the pandemic had <laughs> to cut it short but uh, i was lucky enough i got to actually i got to cover the last XFO game in Houston. I'm not sure they'll have any more of that, but I got to cover that for the Houston Chronicle, so that was pretty that was pretty awesome. Hey, with The Rock now buying the XFL, maybe it will come back. Yeah, maybe, but um, we'll see. We'll just see how that goes. It's been interesting, <laughs> to say the least. 
And you guys say the best for last. Of course, I'm Tamer Knight. I'm just kidding, guys. Not the best, but <laughs> I'm Tamer Knight. And many of you may have seen me around the University of Houston as I recently just graduated um, during a pandemic. So I guess that's awesome. Um, I'm a sports reporter covering all things Houston. Most recently, I was the women's basketball in-game arena host and also... I interned with ESPN 97.5. I was an intern with ESPNU. And I was also a teaching assistant. And Justin Barbosa was actually one of my students with Jerry Tupiano. So it's good to have him on this podcast with us. And like Andy said, I would like to give a big, big shout out and a big thank you to all of our listeners and all of our subscribers because you guys really keep us going each and every week. So now I guess we'll talk some basketball, guys. Yeah, let's, let's jump right into it. Uh... The talk of this week, kind of at the at the beginning of the week as we're recording this, it's a Wednesday. So on Monday, uh, CBS Sports released their power rankings uh, of the American Athletic Conference. Uh, John Rothstein gave his prediction, his preseason predictions of how the American Athletic Conference will be. Uh, really not, not too much of a surprise. He put the University of Houston at number one. Um, I'll, I'll run down the whole list real quick. SMU was two, Memphis three, South Florida at four, Cincinnati at five, Wichita State at six, Tulsa at seven, UCF at eight, ECU at nine, Temple at 10, and Tulane at 11. When it comes to the U of, U of H Cougars specifically, he gave a little bit of his predictions um, and, and really what what could uh, affect the, the outcome and how the standings shake up. Regardless of how they do, I know last week we talked about the NCAA considering a bubble. And before we jump into the the other teams specifically in the conference, I'd I'd like to talk a little bit about what he said about the University of Houston and what they they might be able to do in terms of what they need to improve to to get that number one spot in the American Athletic Conference. I know he talked about late game execution, and in his article, he talked about the Cougars going five and four last season in games decided by five points or less. I I covered the team for for the entire season last year, and it was it was interesting to see them, especially on the road. They struggled to close out uh, games. I know against SMU, they lost by one. Against Tulsa at Tulsa, all road games, they they struggled to close out just late game situations. I know they had. Tulsa, Memphis, and SMU, they all lost by like two points or less. So uh, whenever I saw him put that, that they need to improve at late game execution, I absolutely agree. And I don't know if either of you can, uh, can add a little bit more, but um, I, I tend to agree where, where he put U of H. They certainly have the potential to be number one in the rankings uh, in the conference. And if they really can improve that late game execution where they struggled, then um, that's really going to pay off uh, in, in the 2020-21 season if they can clean up those late game win, a couple of those late game losses that they kind of coughed up last season. Yeah, U of H, they struggled on the road last year, especially against the zone defense. Like a lot of teams are using the zone to really stop the Cougars. But I do agree with the number one spot. Like the American runs through Houston as of right now, especially with how deep this roster is so far. Even though they lost Nate Hinton, I believe Caleb Mills will step up and we're going to see Quentin Grimes have a breakout season. And also, I think I would like to see Marcus Sasser. I think he'll step up a little bit this season because we saw him have a couple flashes at the end of the year, especially with this three-point shot. 
And then I'll backdoor and add in um, Dejon Jarrell and say that I pray that he is able to, you know, open up some new doors and redeem himself from last season. Because again, we've talked about this um, a couple podcasts ago about how he, you know, he kind of fell off last season, but we'll, we'll see if, you know, Sasser and Jarrell and all of these guys can kind of help them on the road and help them defensively. Yeah, I touched about it a bit, but uh, mentioning Caleb Mills, Justin, I know uh, in the same uh, American outlook, um, he uh, John Rothstein talked about Caleb Mills potentially being the all-conference uh, player of the year. And, uh, you know, last season he had a really good uh, freshman year for the Cougars. He averaged 13.2 points a game. He had multiple 20-point games. His career high was came against Tulsa uh, with 27 points. I know um, – Really, the game that stands out for me, and uh, it was it was in a loss to Memphis, uh, the first game they played in February uh, at Memphis. Um, you know, the Cougars were struggling offensively in that game, and it was really. And you both of you talked on uh, Marcus Sasser as well. It's really it was interesting to see the Cougars kind of rely for a good portion of last season on the two uh, freshmen. To for their offense, I know Marcus Sasser had games where he would just explode from the three pointer, and then Caleb Mills, he was just a scorer. He was their scorer when they needed a basket, they would give him a ball and just look for him to create some type of offense. So it'll be interesting to see how Mills can build on that. And um, I know he had a, a couple of opportunities to to hit game winning shots last season too, and they didn't necessarily go the way of the Cougars. So it'll be interesting to see just how how much he can grow from this season to the next. I'm really high on Caleb Mills. I actually remember a play from this past season where on one hand he blocked the shot and then on the other end went all the way down the court and then made the layup on the other end. So I believe Caleb Mills is going to have a really great season. So we talked about the Cougars a little bit. And, um, you know, we mentioned uh, SMU. He has SMU at number two in the conference. And I wanted to jump a little bit into the uh, the Mustang. So we'll we'll go back a season uh, – Last year, the Mustangs went 19-11. and 11. That was their overall record. They went 9-9 in the American Athletic Conference. And, and against U of H, they went 1-1. One and one. and I, um, I remember that, that game in, at SMU, it, came, it was an overtime uh, thriller where the Mustangs won by one point. I know uh, they had three key players that are returning. Um, they're all upperclassmen. Uh, Kendrick Davis and Farron Hunt, they're both juniors coming into uh, – Coming into this season, uh, they both averaged double digits, uh, figures, and points. Uh, I know Davis averaged 14.2 points a game, four rebounds a game, and almost seven assists a game. And, you know, the first meeting against the Cougars, he scored 19 points and six assists and five rebounds. As for uh, Hunt, he averaged 11 points a game last season and almost seven rebounds, too. And in both games against the Cougars, he was pretty consistent. He scored 14 in the first meeting, 15 in the second meeting. To, to go along with those two, Tyson Jolly, he's going to be entering his senior season. He averaged 14.5 points a game last season with six rebounds and uh, a little over two assists a game. Um, in the first meeting, he kind of struggled a bit, didn't really do much offensively. But in the second game, he put up 20 points and five rebounds against the Cougars. All the upperclassmen, I know, uh, from, just from hearing Kelvin Sampson talk the entire season last season, those teams that – they come back with upperclassmen and, um, as their leaders. Those are the teams to look out for because, 
you know, they already have a sense of what it what it takes to, to win these games, these conference games. They're not going to be rattled as much when they have to. Well, it's a little bit different now, too, because we're not even sure if they have to worry about road crowds or anything. If they do go with a bubble setting, it might even work out more to their favor where really it's just basketball and they have the advantage and that luxury of experience to just go out and ball. You mentioned Jolly and Hunt, but also I think uh, Kendrick Davis is going to be somebody for Houston and other teams in the AAC to look after because, again, you just mentioned Kevin Sampson mentioned that those players that have the students returning, that's going to now be upperclassmen. Those are going to be the leaders of the team. And I think Davis is going to be one of those leaders on the team because last year he was averaging um, 14.2 points a game offensively he didn't really do too much, but defensively, I think he could be pose a threat for um, teams in the ACC and even for, for Houston, if you ask me. Absolutely. And uh, one more player to look out for, for the Mustangs, I would say is redshirt freshman. Uh, he's a guard, Darius McBride. Um, like I said, a freshman last season, but in high school, he averaged 14.6 rebounds, and five assists and two steals his senior year. His junior year, he averaged almost 20 points a game, Oh, nearly seven rebounds. So just really more depth for the Mustangs at the guard position. I know, obviously, the Cougars, that's that's one of their biggest strengths right now is their, their guard depth. But, you know, with the Mustangs having enough players just like that that could compete with those Houston guards, it's going to be interesting to see how they can uh, really um, test the Cougars' backcourt and, and really the frontcourt if they could – get into the uh, paint and just uh, attack the Cougars. I know defense is what the, the University of Houston men's basketball team prided themselves in. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Mustangs can, can test that the Kelvin Sampson defense. In that same CBS power rankings, preseason power rankings, he had the Memphis Tigers at number three. Um, and when you take a look at the Tigers, you know, obviously last season they had very, very high expectations, really final four expectations when – at the beginning of the season when they had James Wiseman and obviously Precious Achua, and uh, their season turned out to be a little bit different after uh, the whole Wiseman incident with the eligibility requirements and him sitting out for basically most of the season. But when it comes to Tigers, they still finished 21-10. and 10. They were 10-8 and 8 against the American Athletic Conference. Against U of H, uh, they split season series. Um, Obviously, the key losses for the Tigers, Wiseman didn't really play much outside of a few games, didn't play against U of H, but Precious Achua, who's going to be another expected top 10 pick in, in this year's NBA draft, he averaged nearly 16 points a game, uh, almost 11 rebounds, so he averaged a double-double for the season, um, and really he had a big impact in that second game against U of H, the last game of the season, he had 25 points and 15 rebounds. But the key returning player for the Tigers is Lester Quinones, um, I know for the season, he doesn't necessarily – his numbers aren't necessarily eye-popping. It's just at just 10 points a game and nearly four rebounds a game. But against the Cougars, he was consistent. Both outings actually scored 10 points. And he managed to get four steals and six rebounds in the second meeting in Houston. And both games against the Tigers ended up coming down to the wire. Um, I know uh, the last game of the season with – before Quentin Grimes kind of exploded offensively and the Cougars were struggling to, to create separation with the Tigers. And both games were really, really good games. And I know um, the first meeting at, at Memphis came down to the wire as well. When it comes to the Tigers, and a key addition that they're adding is uh, the 6'10 center. Uh, he's actually the number 11th prospect from the 2020 class. 
according to 247 Sports. And he averaged 23.2 points a game, 14.2 rebounds. And this is the, the crazy stat, 8.7 block shots a game for his high school team. And uh, he led to the state championship. He's going to be a, a really, really key addition. I know with uh, Chua leaving, that's going to be a spot for him that he could fill. And especially with the Cougars not necessarily having their front court as their strength, it's going to be interesting to see how they match up with him this coming season. Yeah, it's going to be a tough matchup this year for the Cougs, especially now that they're missing Fabian White out for the season. And that means uh, Bryson Gresham's really going to have to step up. That kid's going to be a force. I don't know how much he's going to play this season, but I know Penny Hardaway's probably going to be really high on him. And absolutely, you just you talked on losing Fabian White. Uh, Fabian White was a key. He was a very big piece when it came to, to guarding Precious Achua last season. Uh, I know Kelvin Sampson talked highly about really the job he did on defense on Achua. So not having White's really going to be – it's going to be interesting to see how the Cougars can overcome that this season. Really, that's kind of the, the question mark for the Cougars, I would say, heading into 2021 20, season is really how – how they play. Do they go four guard lineup like Chris said last week? Or do they try to to play a more traditional lineup and see how that works out? That's going to be an interesting way to see how the Cougars can respond to Fabian White's injury. Maybe they can go full on Rockets and go small ball. <laughs> I don't expect the five guard lineup, but uh, I mean, shoot, you you never know, uh, especially nowadays. But um, I do expect maybe Bryson Gresham will get a lot of the minutes at the center position. And really, it'll just to see um, who they cycle in behind Gresham. Um, uh, we've talked about Jaywan Roberts on each show. So uh, I know the Cougars, obviously, they have high expectations for him. But really, that's, that's the thing to watch for the Cougars. I'm interested to see how their front court is this coming season. Another guy, another guy that I, I, I see for um, Memphis is DJ Jeffries. He's a sophomore, so this year he'll be an uh, incoming um, – not incoming, sorry. He'll be a junior. Mm-hmm. He, he is one of their key players, I think, um, as well, averaging 10.8 points a game. Um, and, again, he's a sophomore. Well, he'll be a junior now, so that gives him a chance to evolve, you know, and um, kind of – correct mistakes that he made last year. So I think he's going to be a little bit of a threat too against Houston because he's already played them already also, you know, um, for the past two seasons. So this will be his third season going up to the, going against Houston. Coming up, we're going to talk about Cincinnati and Wichita State and the other teams in the conference. And we are back for the second half of the pod Slamajama presented by Clutch City Control Room. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. In the second half, I'm going to be discussing Cincinnati. And what I think of Cincinnati, one word to describe the Cincinnati Bearcats is powerhouse. For the last three years, I have seen, and I know I don't know if you guys have watched, but that has been one of U of H's biggest opponents. They have battled back and forth these last three years. Um, I remember actually two years ago when Cincinnati um, ended um, Houston's opportunity to make it to the NCAA tournament with just one basket. And I remember Corey Davis and um, 
Devin Davis, all of them were just so hurt inside of um, High Fine Civilian at Texas, Texas Southern. But the Cincinnati Bearcats, they're, you know, led by a great head coach, John Brennan, who actually just recently celebrated 100 wins. And he's one of six current coaches to win a regular seat title each of the last three years. So, I mean, I think a good word is to describe Cincinnati is a powerhouse. Um, they went 13 and five overall last season. I'm sorry, 13 and five in conference last season and 20 and 10 overall. They shared the AAC championship title for the 2019-2020 season. And I think players to look out for, um, they just recently signed Victor Lockin. He's a six foot 10, 218-pound forward from Anapa, Russia. And he's joined Cincinnati men's, men's basketball announced that was which was announced by head coach John Brennan. And Lockin has um, four seasons of eligibility with the Bearcats beginning in the 2020-2021 season. So I think he's going to be somebody we should look out for, not only um, versus Houston, but in the AAC as a whole. He has four years to continue to grow and learn and to adapt to college basketball because he's recently um, was a past four, he spent the past four season as a member of the CSKA2 Moscow Club, which is in Russia. So I think he's somebody that we definitely should be on the lookout for. You know, also they signed Mike Sanders, um, Mason Madsen, and Gabe, Gabe Madsen. And I could imagine that Gabe and Mason are brothers, cousins, just the same thing that we discussed with the Cumberlands from Cincinnati. Um, that's one of actually... Jared Cumberland is actually one of Cincinnati's key loss as he was the first team all conference averaging 15.5 points, 4.9 assists and 3.8 rebounds. He's the ninth all-time leading scorer for Cincinnati and, and he's in ninth place. So I think person to, one person to look out for is Victor Locken, but a key loss for Cincinnati was going to be Jaron Cumberland and Trayvon Scott. Um, Trayvon, he redshirted last season, but he 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 played uh, this 2019-2020 season, and he was the Defensive Player of the Year, Most Improved Award um, in Sportsmanship Award, averaging 11.4 points, 10.5 rebounds, and 2.2 assists. So, I mean, I'm not sure if they're going to be that powerhouse this season. As you said, CBS has them ranked at number five, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see them back in the top three of the AAC. Yeah, and Tamer, and uh, let me throw it back at you real, real quick. When we were doing the uh, setup for the show, you, you were kind of stunned to see Cincinnati so low. Uh, why, why were you stunned? Do you, do you agree that they should be five? Do you think they're a little bit too low, or how do you I see them? I absolutely agree disagree because you know like I said in the beginning I've just seen U of H and Cincinnati battle back and forth for the last three years you know from from Hawkeye civilian all the way up until we got inside of the Petita Center the last two years you know we kind of seen them battle back and forth and again the third year and they're sharing the AAC you know championship title I'm not sure if CBS ranked them so lowly in the polls because they lost Trayvon Scott or you know Jaron Cumberland but like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if we see them back at top three at the end of the 2020-2021 season. Uh, I only got to cover – I've only covered the team for one year, but you you hit it right on the head when it comes to uh, just what, when U of H and Cincinnati come together. There's always something that happens. Uh, I know last season when they when they played in Cincinnati, you also had the, the incident with the bite. That was a, it was its home dilemma. And then uh, when they played at U of H, the, I guess it was kind of the – get back game where Marcus Sasser went off with, with three pointers. He had 21 points in the game. 
But um, really just from one season, I got to get a little taste of that type of rivalry. And it'll certainly be interesting. I tend to agree with they, – they could do higher, but just the way the American Athletic Conference is, I, I agree with um, – I've heard uh, other analysts talk about this could be a, a multi-team – a multi-team bid league when it comes to the NCAA tournament, and uh, Cincinnati very well is is in that bun- in that bunch where that they could make a push towards the end. And you know, I agree, and you can't count them out. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they're right back at fighting for number one in the 2020-21 season. And then also, they they've gotten some really big guys, and I think that's one thing that U of H, you know, we used to have that at the Cougars used to have that, but. They kind of no longer have that height is no longer an issue for them. Um, Cincinnati, they have some pretty big guys. I mean, 6'10", 6'8". Like, who's going to – not saying that they're unstoppable, but, I mean, come on, like that height and then the weight and size, to me, that's a pretty big squad. And I think that's one of the things that makes them so dominant. I think they're a big team. They're a bigger team, I should say, Um, all of their guys, not just Trey Scott or Jaren Cumberland. They were were all, you know – all of their incoming newly signed uh, athletes are six, five and up. Absolutely agree. And it gets back to our point that the story to watch for the Cougars this upcoming season is going to be how that front court plays um, and really how they handle the, the opponents in the American Athletic Conference. And I agree. We probably have to see what maybe the new recruits can step up in the front court, one in Jamal Sheet or Kieran Powell that's coming in for this season. Another big point here for the Cincinnati and um, the Houston matchup is going to be, I think the Cougars are going to be so used to seeing this old Cincinnati lineup that now that they have so many um, new signees, it's going to kind of be a mystery for them, like who's playing what position and who's going to be doing what, because things are going to be changing since that they no longer have, you know, Jaren Cumberland or um, Trayvon Scott. Absolutely. Um, When we talk about Cincinnati, one team that's right below them was Wichita State at number six. Tamer, can you talk to us a little bit more about the the Shockers and, you know, what do you think about them in in this upcoming season? Kind of to zoom back at you, Andy, one last thing on Cincinnati. I can't, I can't, um, I just have to say that every time Houston and Cincinnati Bearcats link up, it's almost like a rivalry. I don't even think it's almost like, I think it is a rivalry. I think that could be the two rivalry teams in the AAC, um, Houston and Cincinnati. The key rivalry in the American Athletic Conference for Houston, you, you, you saying Cincinnati? I say Cincinnati. What do you guys think, Justin and Andy? Absolutely, um, Cincinnati. Uh, I think that SMU rivalry is up there, too. Um, not necessarily at the level, um, maybe as of a Cincinnati, but, you know, that interstate rivalry is always up there. And uh, I know when uh, the Tigers and Houston meet, just because of the expectations that the Tigers have with, with Hardaway, that's always a big game, too. So I definitely think that the Bearcats are up there. They're certainly top three in the conference when it comes to rivalry, but uh, I wouldn't necessarily go that far yet, um, at least just from this past season. That's, that's, that in-state rivalry is always real. I'm not, I'm not knocking that one, but I'm saying on a more skill level, um, technique, players-wise, I, I think the biggest rivalry is going to be Cincinnati for Houston. That, that's just my opinion, and that's based on my, you know, my observations from the over the last three years and i agree uh the last really two years houston played cincinnati twice for the conference tournament championship and eventually losing both games and just when they play each other 
each time on the court, it's always an intense battle to the end. Oh, I agree. They certainly have the history of a rivalry. I mean, the rival they have a rivalry for sure. Um, the history is there, obviously, when they uh, the season in 2018-19, um, when it came down for the regular season title, it came down to having to beat Cincinnati at Cincinnati for the first time that U of H hadn't been able to do that, and the Cougars got it done. So I don't disagree with you there. There's certainly a rivalry there, but, you know, SMU, Tigers, they got to be up there too. I mean, enough about the rivalries in Cincinnati. We can all agree Cincinnati and Houston, there's definitely some tension there. But on to Wichita State, which is a very young team led by head coach Greg Marshall. Now, these guys, they went 23-8 and overall. 11-7 and seven in conference play, and one of their biggest losses is going to be their only senior last year, which was Jamie um, E. I'm, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, so I'm not even going to try and, and butcher his name um, out of respect for him as a player and as a person, but Jamie is going to be Wichita State's biggest loss of the season, um, averaging 11.3 points a game. Defensively, he had 138 rebounds total for the season, and then um, like I said, this is a very, very young team, so it's not even much we can say about Jamie because Jamie is no longer going to be there, but he was definitely their star player of the team. Um, and like I mentioned, we have Eric Stevenson and Jamarcus Burton, who's also going to be um, the top two players for this team as well. And they're going to be juniors this year, so you know they're going to take on that leadership role that we talked about earlier um, in the beginning of the segment um, about you know stepping up and being a leader, and they're adjusted. They're, they're acquainted to... What's to come? CBS has them ranked at number six. Um, do you think that's a, that's about where they might be? Do you think a little bit higher, lower? Uh, where would you see uh, Wichita State's finishing the in the American Athletic Conference? Don't beat me up, guys. But I I would say I can see Wichita State in that number five seed that CBS has Cincinnati. I can see them in that spot. That, Not- I think no. Um, uh, before uh, before I throw it back to you, I was gonna say uh, they're starting to be interesting. Uh, they had they had a brutal stretch um, towards the middle of the season last year during their conference game, uh, middle of January, start of February, where they they lost like five out of seven conference games, and that that kind of derailed their chances. But I, they were hot last year to start the season. They went fifteen and one. They were fifteen and one at one point, and. You know, once they hit that brutal stretch in the middle of a conference schedule, that that really kind of threw off their season, and they didn't necessarily they struggled to bounce back. But uh, I totally agree with with the prediction. I think it's a little wait and see. Uh, similar to Cincinnati, I could see them going up the the rankings or finishing above six. But at the same time, like you said, they're losing a few key players. It's going to be a little. It's a little watch and see and see how they bounce back. Um, and see if they don't run into another roadblock like they did this season. Also, I forgot to mention that Wichita actually has a new recruit, Trevin Wade, um, from Georgia Highland College. He was a guard there, averaging um, 17.6 points, 4.5 assists, and 2.0 steals. And he led this team to a 24-8 record. So the special thing about this is Trey – Trevin is going to be joining his brother Trey at Wichita State, and his brother is going to be a senior this year. As a he's a he's a forward, so they're going to get to suit up and play together. So we're going to get to see that kind of um, that brother chemistry, and we'll see what Trey and um, Trevon can do 
on the basketball court because one is going to be what a senior a uh, senior and the other one is going to be a what is it a sophomore sophomore junior so we'll see what what they can do together on the court as well now we're going to get into the Temple Owls. Owls did not have a good season at all last year. Finished 14 and 17 overall, 6 and 12 in the American, and finished 10th in the conference under first year head coach Aaron McKay. And really a big step back for Temp- Temple because the year before they made the tournament in the last season of head coach Fred Dumpery. And after this season, they're losing five seniors, including a leading scorer, Shiz Austin Jr., who had Average 19.7 a game with two rebounds and five assists. And also guard Lonnie Moore, who averaged 8.4 points a game with 2.6 assists. But they're getting back junior Quentin Rose, who's going to be a senior this year, averaged 16.4 points last year and five rebounds with 3.5 assists. And also guard Nate Pierre-Lewis, who averaged 10.9 a game with leading rebounder at 8.5 rebounds a game. So I believe those two guys will really step up for Temple this upcoming season. But it's going to be an inexperienced team and kind of a little bit of a rebuild rebuild for Temple, especially with the Dumpery era is over. CBS. Oh, Tamer, before before I throw it to you, uh, you know, CBS has them ranked 10th. And, you know, you you mentioned it a little bit. They're not necessarily uh, considered a powerhouse outside of uh, Quentin Rose. It's going to be a, a little bit difficult. Uh, I know when U of H played at Temple, uh, you know. Didn't they lose <laughs> Temple last season? No, U, U of H uh, beat Temple. They won at Temple. Um, yeah, it was a close game. Uh, they won with the score of 78 to 74. Yeah, I think I remember yeah. the game. It was a really, yeah. But, um, yeah, when it comes to Temple, they're, they're a little – it's a little hard to predict their schedule. And um, you know, what I was going to say is when U of H played there, it's so funny that I bring this up, but just it, it doesn't seem like they have a lot of support. Uh, at least when U of H played them, the gym wasn't necessarily uh, the most electric place um, that they could have. Um, obviously, with this year, with the circumstances, that might not even matter, but it'll be interesting to see um, how Temple, if they can turn it around quick, and um, just from last season, uh, where they're ranked, where CBS has them ranked, I tend to agree with that. Um, Tamer, I know I cut you off a little bit. What were you going to say? I was going to just say, um, Justin, you said uh, you mentioned the word rebuild. And I was just going to say, we can say Temple is ranked number 10, but, you know, they, but sometimes the underdog can come back and win. And I think, um, you know, we've been here before with the Cougars. We saw, you know, Houston rise from the bottom of the AAC and, you know, now make their way to the top. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, even if it's not this season, over the next few seasons, um, we see Temple kind of make a comeback under the direction of a new head coach. And then also we have to remember, you know, they might get some new recruits. Um, I'm not sure if you mentioned any of them, Justin, but they may have some new recruits that have that may have some tricks up their sleeves. We can't count them out. That's all I'm saying. Although they did have a pretty rough season, but that's kind of understandable when you get a new coach in, um, into a program because you're working on rebuilding, getting to know the team, um, and the coach has to kind of you know, reconstruct things and get players that, especially the ones that are veterans, to adapt to his new way of coaching and his new way of playing. Oh, I definitely agree. I just think it's a, just a small step back because the year before they made actually made the tournament and 
did pretty well in the season, and then Coach Dumphy retired. But it is going to be an inexperienced team other than Quentin Rose and a couple other juniors. But I believe they can get some recruits and a couple years down the road can be good again. I'm always trying to give teams the benefit of the doubt. I could be wrong. I could be right. But, I mean, for me, it's just sometimes you see some of the worst teams come back and no. shock no, I agree. Um, obviously, just last season, you know, you talk about Tulsa, they, they ended up with a share of the American Athletic Conference regular season championship, and they were predicted, I know, in the CBS pre- uh, preseason prediction, they did kind of similar to, to the one we're kind of talking about. They, they were ranked ninth to finish ninth in the American Athletic Conference, and they ended up winning a share of the tournament. So you can never say for certain that, that one team's going to be having a rebuild year, um, but um, – just based off last season, um, I would tend to agree with CBS, uh, but obviously you can never uh, be 100% certain. Yeah, Tulsa was definitely the biggest surprise in the American last year, finishing 21-10 and 10 with the share of the American title. They finished uh, at home with a 15-2 and two record, including an 80-40 to 40 huge win over Memphis. But just like the Cougars, they kind of struggled on the road. They went 6-7. and seven. Now, their key losses are going to be for Martins, Igbanu, who averaged 13.6 a game and five rebounds, and one of the backup guards, Lawson Karita, who's a senior, only averaged seven points per game. But they are pretty much getting most of the team back, especially junior guard Brandon Rochelle, who averaged 12 points and 5.1 rebounds a game, and Jariah Home, 11.1 points per game and 5.2 rebounds. And they got six juniors returning, including those two. And U of H did have a couple games against them. First game they lost in a really tough game. In Tulsa, lost by two points, 63-61. But it was a tough game in Houston for the first half, but we know what happened in that second half. U of H got it all together, and they just trounced the Golden Hurricanes 76-43, kind of just like that Wichita State game. Yeah, um, you know, funny funny story about that Tulsa game, the second game in Houston. Uh, and obviously this, this is going to affect the Cougars a bit, but, uh, you know, after the game, Nate Hinton was talking about how he went to Kelvin Sampson and he wanted that matchup with uh, Brandon Rochelle. And um, it was interesting to see how, how locked in they were for that rematch in, in, at the Fertitta Center. They, they, they knew they wanted to get payback for one. They felt, quite frankly, they felt they let go um, early in the season when they met in Tulsa. Um, you talk about Brandon Rochelle that's going to be returning. It's going to be, I keep saying it'll be interesting, but just um, – now they know the Cougars no longer have Hinton to, to get that assignment. It's going to be interesting to see how Rochelle uh, plays against the Cougars this upcoming season. Speaking of Nate Hinton, let's take a few seconds before we have to end the podcast to just talk about this mock draft. Um, he, they have him listed at number 58 to 76ers. What are you guys thinking? Oh, ESPN in their mock drafts. Um, this is actually a, a very significant uh, – Outcome for Nate Hinton, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this this might be one of the first few uh, mock drafts that have him in the top 60. Um, when it comes to the Philadelphia 76ers specifically, uh, I think it I think it'd be an interesting fit, just because of his defense and his presence that he would bring. Um, obviously, if he if he were to get drafted by the Sixers, I wouldn't expect a lot of playing time, um, if any at all, at the beginning. But I think it'd be an interesting 
fit for them to develop just depending on what the Sixers do. If they, if I, there's rumors all the time and I know one of the rumors going on around the NBA right now is that the Sixers, if they do lose, I know as we, as we speak on Wednesday, they're getting destroyed by the, by the Celtics. By the Celtics in the playoffs. So they might be looking to move one of those two stars, whether it be Embiid or uh, Simmons. And, you know, they can get a guard like Kenton. He's, He's one of the players that will always help you when it comes to, you know, Kenton's never going to need someone to, to bring energy for him. He's always going to be a self-motivated, bringing his own energy. And just having tough, gritty players like that, it's never a bad thing. And especially on a team that might be looking to, to find an ident- identity in the Sixers, I think it'd be an interesting fit. And, Andy, you said in the very first episode, he's uh, in his – that Swiss Army knife guy on the court that just kind of does everything and the little things. Yeah, that could be a kind of guy 76ers could need. Shot about a 38% behind the arc for the Cougars this season, so probably be good for the Sixers to have another shooter. And we all know Ben Simmons doesn't really have a shot beyond the arc, which kind of became like a big meme for NBA Twitter. Yeah, I was going to say, um, like, as you mentioned, Andy, I was going to say, um, I think the 76ers, 76ers could use a good defensive player like Nate Tenton. Um, you guys already talked about his, um, his, his energy, but it's been a little while since we've seen the 76ers really do something big. But, I mean, if they lose the series against the Boston Celtics, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, they'll probably be looking to reconstruct and add and, you know, take away some players, um, from this current roster. So it'll be interesting to see uh, also how accurate ESPN is just with this mock draft. Absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see if this ESPN mock draft is kind of a sign of things to come. Um, just really, if we can see Hinton and more of those mock drafts where he makes the top 60 and you see him battling out for those few um, draft picks or those few draft spots. That's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysis, speculation, guest voices, and camaraderie of our team, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of Pot Slamma Jamma, covering your University of Houston Cougars.